and welcome to episode 99, our last show in Double Digits, of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on September 23rd, 2018. My name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com. I'm also 50% of this show. Joining me, as always, is Brad Galloway. He is the editor at GameCritics. How are you, Brad? I am doing quite well. Um, Tired, feeling miserable, got a headache, but I'm excited to be here, and I am fully locked in. That reminds me, yesterday I went to a beer fest thing in town, and it was outdoors, and it was like 95 degrees here, and I was sweating my balls off the entire time I was there, and I like walked up to this beer tent to order beer from this nice lady who was like at the keg thing and under like a tent and had shade, and she was like, hey, how are you? And I was like, I'm fucking miserable and sweating my balls <laughs> off, and she was like, yeah, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, instead Excellent. of the, you know the typical like oh I'm good I'll take some beer I was like girl I am miserable right now but yeah. uh, but it was good the sun went down it was cloudy later so I stopped sweating my balls off at a certain point but um, but good but you know you, maybe you're not in the best mood I'm also hungry right now I don't know if that will affect anything but oh, no. we can oh, no. enjoy the show together and we can press on and make the most of it how does that sound that sounds good. It's funny because I'm actually hungry too, and I was already thinking of uh, roasting up some chicken nuggets once this is over. So I'm gonna grab a bite to eat <laughs> once we're done. Nuggets. <laughs> we uh, got some really good chicken nuggets up here, I'll tell you. But we'll save that for another time. Anyway, we uh, <laughs> just uh, as an FYI, I will throw this out to the listeners. We have a little bit of stuff going on in real life today, so we have exactly one hour and three minutes to record the show. That's all we got. Recording's going to stop at exactly an hour and three minutes, no matter where we are. So if that happens oh at the end of the show, you know what happened. Um, also, that's not including banter, though. We just recorded about 45 minutes of banter. So the show will still be almost two hours long, so you're not getting cheated out of too much. But Games Talk is like an hour flat. Um, but we don't want to waste any time, so let's jump in and talk about games. Let's do it. Let's talk about games. I uh, know nothing about the game that you're going to talk about. Unknown Fate. I've never heard of this. I don't. Is it VR? Or what's going on? What's Unknown Fate? <laughs> I feel like you should have heard of this because you're the one that gave me the review code for it. You dork. Fuck! Did I? God. Oh man. <laughs> Getting old is a bitch, dude. It is tough. Let me tell you. Short-term memory is not even a thing anymore. Well, I mean, it's understandable because you're drowning in review codes like on a weekly basis. So it doesn't surprise me at all that you would forget one game. You probably forget most of the games you put on your review list. So um, <laughs> what's your name? No again? Where am I? What's going on? <laughs> Come back, Brad. This is episode 99. September 23rd. <laughs> or, um, all right. Let's talk about Unknown Fate. So I always get the name of this game wrong, too, because I went to a concert about a month ago and saw a band called Unsaid Fate. And every time I want to talk about this game, I always want to call it unsaid fate in my mind because i'm used to that but it is unknown fate it is an htc vive vr game um also i am glad a listener friend of the show michael london uh tweeted us and said that he uh, something to the effect of him being excited about me talking about vr stuff so thank goodness we have like one person out there who's interested in hearing about vr because you're probably going to be hearing about it more in the future because I have an HTC Vive. However, he recommended the game Static to me, S-T-A-T-I-K. 
um, and wanted to know my thoughts about it. And Michael, I'm sorry to report Static is not on the HTC Vive. I think it's PlayStation 4 exclusive. So unless they bring it to PC, I will not be able to play it, um, unfortunately. But if they do, I'll pick it up. I'll try it and I'll get back to you. But we're talking about Unknown Fate today. This is a, it's a first person... Uh, this is probably the closest thing I've played to a walking simulator on HTC Vive yet, which is kind of weird because you'd think that, like, VR games would be, like, rife with, like, walking simulator-type experiences. I thought they were all walking simulators. Well, I mean, I guess to an extent they are, but, like, when you were talking about, like, Super Hot, like, Super Hot is definitely not a walking simulator. It's, like, kind of a puzzly first-person shooter um, action game, and, like... Uh, budget cuts, which I was talking about um, a while back, which is kind of like the Portal-esque sort of office manned by robot simulator. That's like a stealthy kind of like explorational puzzle game. And I wouldn't, I mean, I know that sounds a lot like um, like a walking sim, but it has like combat and has like actual stealth elements. So like I wouldn't really classify that as a, because when I think of a walking sim, I think of a game that's first person, that's you exploring like a densely narrative environment that doesn't really have any combat or maybe doesn't have a lot of combat. Um, you know, something like Dear Esther or um, a, like uh, what Edith Finch, What Remains of Edith Finch, because those are games where you just go through and you experience the story. You don't really like, I mean, they have like mechanics, if you will, uh, but they don't have like, you know, hiding from enemies and puzzles and combat. I mean, they have a little bit of puzzles, but like combat or, you know, anything like that. But but either way, I'm getting a little bit off topic here. Um, Unknown Fate is probably the closest thing I've played to like a traditional walking sim since I've had VR, which is interesting because you'd think I would be like like up to my balls in walking sims because that's like my jam. And somehow I just like haven't played many of them on or any of them until now on the HTC Vive. Um, but this is, I think this is still an early access. I'm not positive about that or it's like a beta or something. Um, but it's pretty well functional. Um, you play as a guy who, at the beginning of the game, you like are kind of in front of this house on this street. It looks sort of like any other street you've been on in your life. I'm slightly stylized because it's a video game, of course. And if you look to your left and right, there's kind of this weird thing going on where the street has sort of like dissolved into the air and there's these big like cubes in the sky and it looks like everything looks normal at first but as soon as you start looking around it gets a little bit surreal because it, it's like you're in a dream or like a nightmare and um, there isn't stuff like flying at you and there isn't stuff like blowing up in your face but everything is just kind of suspended in the air around you these like cubes and like pieces of the street and you can't really tell what's going on and there's this sort of like um like magical sort of like I don't even know how to describe it. It's sort of like this, like, elvish monster thing um, that appears in front of you. And it starts talking about a few things. I can't remember what it says. And then the game sort of transports you into this, like, really fantastical world. And when I say fantastical, that's pretty much, like, what this game's whole vibe is. Because you're in, when you get there, and this is kind of, like, when the game proper starts... Um, it's kind of like you're in sort of like an Alice in Wonderland woods type situation. The game, the art design actually reminds me a lot of the Alice Madness Returns video games because like the stuff around you is kind of based in reality, but it also looks very fantastical and fairy tale like where there's like giant black trees and you know, just kind of like all around you. And there's these like weird kind of structures that are around you that kind of look like statues, but they're not really like, it's not statues with like people. It's just kind of like big like rectangles and stuff, which sounds weird, but it actually is a pretty cool uh, visual design. Just like the overall art design of it is nice because it's not chasing after 
realism, you know, one-to-one. It's definitely got, like, a cool art style behind it. I'm very, like, fairy tale like I'm probably going to say fantastical and fairy tale about 200 times when I talk about this game, so sorry about that. Um, but the game, it uses a similar sort of teleport mechanic to other VR games where you point one of the... Uh, one of the remotes to the ground and whenever you press hold a button on it it kind of shows you like an arc and it shows you where you're going to teleport and you let go of the button and it teleports you to that area and something that I kind of want to drill down on a little bit with this game is that sort of some of the joy of walking simulators is I mean this is going to sound so stupid when I say this and I'm realizing this right now some of the joy of playing a walking simulator is literally walking around because you like <laughs> progress through areas. It sounds so stupid, but whenever you play a teleportation walking simulator, it's not the same. And I want to talk about this for a second. So like in a walking sim on console, and I'm, you might be able to play this game with a, with a control pad and walk regularly. I haven't tried it yet, and I'm not sure if that's a thing, um, but I'm using it with the HTC Vive controllers, with the headset and everything. I'm standing up in the room when I play it, but it's not the kind of game where you have to like be running around the entire room to play it. You can kind of be stationary. Um, so when you play a normal walking sim, there's sort of like an elegance and a pacing to just literally taking one step after another and sort of slowly stepping through these areas and like looking around and seeing what's going on and sort of like trudging through them in a way, in a very realistic real life way, because you walk in real life. But in Unknown Fate, because it has a teleportation mechanic, and that's really popular with VR games because walking in VR is like motion sickness inducing. So a lot of games do this kind of teleporter thing. It takes a little bit out of like the mysterious pacing that walking sims usually have whenever you can teleport wherever you want to go. And, and when I say teleport, I mean, you can teleport like a foot in front of you, which is what I've been doing most of the time. I just keep the controller, like the little beam held pretty close to where my feet are. And I'm just kind of clicking it over and over again to kind of like move me as if I'm walking. But you can also teleport like 20 feet in front of you if you want. Like you can really cover a lot of ground quickly if you want to teleport that way. And I feel can like we, that. Can we pause take... one second, Corey? I'm going to ask yeah, you something. Yeah, quick. yeah, Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you, but this is, this is something that's been bugging me. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to talk about this in a second, but I played a game that was very walking sim-ish. In fact, I played a couple that we'll, we'll mention in a second. But this was the first time I had ever actually done teleporting. I had heard about it a million times, but since I don't spend a lot of time in VR, I haven't really, like, ever really done it. And so I did it in this game because uh, it was originally designed as a VR game, but then it went flat uh, to make, you know, to actually sell some games, you know? Um, and it was the... I was bullshit. I was like, I hate teleporting. I know that people do it to <laughs> avoid motion sickness. So there's like a reason. It is the most stupid, awkward, awful. I hated, <laughs> I hated it. Who Like, like, do you do this often in your VR excursions? And do you also hate it as much as I do? Please tell me you do. Well, I don't. The weird, Okay. So the weird thing for me in your situation is that if a game is made for VR and then is like ported to non-VR and like an example of this is Here They Lie, which is a game that was PSVR exclusive. Like it came out about a year, year and a half ago. And then it, they released a non-VR version for it. And I reviewed the non-VR version for it. And I don't know how it works in VR because I don't have PSVR and it's not on PC. So I haven't been able to play it. But in the non-VR version, it lets you walk normally. Um, it just, like, maps movement to the controllers. And I don't know if it has a teleportation mechanic in VR. I'm not sure how it works. Um, but something that I think would be... 
I don't know, hopefully standard for games that come out to VR and that are moved to regular control pads on consoles or what have you, is that they would add walking mechanics in. Because if I'm sitting playing a first-person game and the only, like, with a controller without a VR headset or anything, like playing on my TV or on my computer monitor, the idea of using a teleportation mechanic not in VR sounds really silly to me. And, I mean, maybe it's, like an easy workaround because maybe they didn't have the time or the manpower or the money to like fully map controller support to these, to, to whatever game you played. Um, but I feel like it would be pretty standard to do that because I like the teleportation mechanic in VR because moving, because like the HTC Vive doesn't have joysticks on the controllers. So it has like these touchpad things, which would probably work. Like I've played a Doom 3 mod that uses the touchpads to move like a PlayStation controller or any, you know, dual shock controller. Uh, but it does induce, it is motion sickness inducing because it really like jolts you really quickly left to right backward and forward. And sometimes it kind of makes you dizzy and it makes you feel like the room is moving around you while you're standing still and it's weird. So like in VR, I'm cool with the teleportation mechanic because it lets you map where you're going to go and then it just transports you there. And it like, it sounds like it would be jarring, but it's actually a lot less jarring than doing a normal movement on the um, on a controller like walking unless you're just really used to it and that's like the way that you like to move um so did that answer your question a little bit i mean kind of i guess it just you know i mean of course personal preference and you know the motion sickness is a part of it but and and, and to be clear the game that i played which i'll talk about in a second it it did add actual walking because it was flat but the but the buttons that let you teleport were still active so it was like okay. they just added walking and didn't take out the teleporting so i'm like oh this is that teleporting <laughs> i've heard so much about let's try this oh my god this is awful why would anyone do this like i found it so yeah, disorienting am... and so weird and so like i can't imagine ever liking that yeah, I mean, I imagine it would be really weird to do that on a console, but if you play it in VR, I promise it makes perfect sense. I mean, it is weird because you're teleporting and it's not like natural movement, but it makes more sense in a VR headset setting because of moving moving regularly just feels so unnatural um, in VR. I will take your word for it because I was just like, I was kind of blown away by that. But anyway, uh, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. Derailed. Derailed. Let's, re- let's re-rail. Derailed. Um, yes. So, um, so, but that's like kind of like my first thing is that like playing a walking sim in VR is kind of a strange experience because there's so much to the pacing about just walking around like a normal person and really observing your environments. But I was able to get over it pretty soon and just sort of use the teleportation mechanic in a way that makes it feel like I'm walking by only teleporting like, you know, a foot in front of myself every time without sort of cheating the game too much. And basically the the way the game goes, and I've only played it for about a half an hour, so I can't, you know, this is basically like a big first impression, is that you teleport or you like walk around this weird sort of fantastical forest area um, via teleportation. Um, You kind of, there's like little... Um, like nodes, sort of like holographic things you can walk up to. And whenever you walk into them, it locks you into them. And there's like a cutscene that sort of plays in front of you. I guess I don't mean cutscene. I mean like like the fairy thing will show up again and we'll kind of talk to you for a minute. And then the game will release you to go do whatever you want to do after that. Um, so it's a good way to kind of like get you into a scene and lock you in without you being able to like teleport all over the place while there's like a narrative moment happening. And eventually you get... I mean, it's not a gun. I hesitate to call it a gun, but it's basically like an orb, this like magical orb thing that you hold with your right hand 
that you use to shoot things. And I haven't gotten into like combat combat yet, but I think the game has combat, but I haven't really gotten there. Like I've used the orb to shoot the orb thing to shoot like buttons that open up pathways or like a button that'll like make a door disintegrate so I can move to a new area, but I haven't used it against enemies yet because I'm not sure what the enemy situation is. I haven't gotten that far in the game. Um, but it's kind of, um, I mean, I don't really know what to say about the story. It's kind of, I mean, this game's called Unknown Fate. I think the game is about a guy who, this guy has sort of like, I don't know if he's like relapsed in his memory or something, but there's a lot of like narrative that the fairies are talking about him, like discovering who he really is. And it's kind of like cheesy. And I have a feeling it's going to like come back to some weird like childhood memory because it has between the levels, it has these cool, like sort of like real life, um, segments where you're walking through like a carnival and like I think there's a kid who's around who is supposed to be you as a younger age and you're kind of like like walking around with him and observing him and doing things and he kind of like follows you around a little bit and the cool thing about these segments is that they're a completely different art style than the rest of the game and as a matter of fact whenever the first one loaded I looked around and I was able to look around because they're black and white. They look remind me a lot of um, Mad World, that weird like brawler that was on Wii because um, it's kind of yeah, like an almost cel shaded like and black one. and white. Yeah, and that's how it looks. It's kind of black and white. It's not really cel shaded, but it's like a cool like black and white environment. And the first time it popped up, um, I felt like an idiot because I was like, oh, this is a cool loading screen because I thought it was like loading and that the game would like fill in with the colors as it loaded or something. And then I looked around and I was like, oh, no, wait, this is like the actual game. Like I'm supposed to be moving right now. So <laughs> we're just like waiting and waiting and waiting for the game to pick back up. <laughs> yeah, like I was looking around and I was like, oh, this is a nice loading screen. Like it's cool art style. It's totally different than the rest of the game. And then I like held my controller up in front of my face and I was like, oh, I can see the controllers. That means I can probably do something. And I was able to teleport around. But it's neat because like those flashbacks have this cool like black and white kind of grungy art style whereas the like the fantastical stuff in the game is more like i mean really like alice madness returns is the best thing i can think of because it just looks like it's all based in realism but there's just like this really cool sort of like fairy tale slightly grim element to it um but i i like it so far um it's not amazing, but it's not terrible. And it's, you know, an interesting thing to play. I will say that whenever I stopped playing it the other day, I accidentally, I wasn't sure where to go. And I accidentally teleported up onto this like cliff that I wasn't supposed to be on. And I like was in this, like, like the whole screen was black on my headset. And every time I would try to teleport, the rest of the game would like flash in real quick and then it would go black again. So I basically got like trapped in some sort of like, no man's land on a cliff and couldn't like teleport out of it because I couldn't see what I was doing. So like that kind of pissed me off a little bit because I got like stuck in this weird spot. And then whenever I went to the menu and uh, clicked like the restart checkpoint level or restart level or whatever it was, um, the checkpoint was like farther back than I wanted it to be. So I was just like, I'm kind of annoyed and I just stopped playing it right then. Um, so that was kind of annoying, but also, like I said, I think it's like a beta. I don't think it's like a totally finished product yet, which like maybe, you know, that, that can slide a little bit, but I don't know. It's okay. Um, you know, not my favorite thing I played in VR, but it is cool. Just like being in a walking sim in a world where you can just literally look all the way around you. Like you look up, you look down, you look left and right. The world is like literally surrounding you rather than just looking at, you know, the, 
the world on a TV screen or something. I mean, I realize the dumb novelty because that's what I'm going to keep coming back to every time I talk about VR is like, oh, you can really look around and see everything. And it sounds like so <laughs> stupid, but it is. I mean, that's like kind of the point of VR. And it is like a cool, I mean, if you're up for that kind of thing, like it is a cool experience, like literally just like being able to look all around you and see everything like as it's unfolding around you and like, you know, at a certain point, there were these little fairies that kind of like popped up on my shoulders and kind of like came around into view. And it startled me like it wasn't supposed to be a jump scare, but it was just kind of like scary because they just kind of like appeared and like swept around me and then started talking to me. And like that kind of thing isn't like that experience would not have been the same on a console game. And so it's just like little things like that that make it feel, I don't know, more unique to VR. Um, but I'll, I'll keep playing this. I'll probably write about it for Game Critics as well and report back on the show. Um but that's, that's pretty much all I have to say for right now. It's fine. The story's a little silly, but I like the world building. I like the environment. I like the dual art styles of the fantastical forest area and the um, and like the flashback sequences that are black and white. I think it's cool that it's two different art styles kind of meshed into one game for two different um, like content-driven designs, if you will, for gameplay. Um, but I think I think that's it. That's all I have to say about it so far. Well, report back. I mean, I always just have the same question. You kind of already answered it. But I mean, whenever I hear about any of these VR titles, and I'm sure I'm going to hear more about them in the future, my first and really only question is like, would this game be interesting without VR? <laughs> it's, a, you know, to be a broken record. I mean, you're the broken record of, ooh, you can look around and I'm the broken record of, would you give a shit if it wasn't in VR? I mean, like, so would you give a shit if it wasn't in VR? It kind of sounds like, I mean, maybe you would because you're like Mr. Walking Sim. But take away the VR. I mean, how much is left, though, honestly? I mean, it's very, I mean, whenever it comes to like VR and walking Sims, they're very similar. I mean, like having it in VR adds an element, obviously the element of like VR to it, but this is a game that could totally exist, not in VR. And who knows, maybe it will exist not in VR someday, um, on, you know, the PC or whatnot. And I mean, I can't say which one I would prefer to play. Like, oh, I'd rather sit at the computer and play this with the mouse and keyboard, or I would rather stand up in the middle of the room and play it on VR. I'm not sure, but I, it's not a game that needs to be in VR, but I appreciate the fact that it is in VR, I guess, so far. Um, but I don't really think VR is like necessary for it. All right. Let's leave that there. We'll come back to it. Bring it back up when you uh, finish the game or maybe when you write about it and we will, we will reconvene. Um, let's move on. I have many games to talk about, but not a lot. For any of them. Um, if you follow me on Twitter <laughs> uh, last weekend, I just it was one of those like days when all the stars were in alignment. Jupiter was in the right house and the stars were shining on me and everything just was was right in the world. And I had like the day off, like I had the actual whole day off, didn't have any paperwork to do, didn't have to be anywhere, didn't have to do anything. And I was like, holy shit, I it's so rare so rare that I get one of those. I'm like, okay, so this is the perfect day. I'm not going to do anything but just stay here and play video games all day long because I that's I never get to do that. So that's today. And I didn't want to just commit to something because, uh, I mean, part of it is like anxiety uh, with time. I don't know about you, Corey. Maybe this will be true. Maybe not now, but maybe in the future. But like as you get older, or at least as I get older, I become increasingly aware of time. And like my concept of like life as a timer, <laughs> which counts down, I never can forget it. Like I'm constantly thinking about, am I spending this time wisely? Is this really something that's worth the time? Uh, you know, I really want to do that. I really want to spend a hundred hours on this. Do I really want to spend 20 hours on this? So like, I, I think about it all the time, hard to get rid of that thought. 
Uh, when you turn 40, let me know. I'll circle back on that and we'll see how you feel. And maybe that's <laughs> be... It didn't used to bug me so much before, but now that now that I'm older, it's, it's really starting to bug me. Anyway, so I didn't want to just commit to one thing because I'm like, okay, I only get one day and I'm not going to, you know, who knows when I'm going to come back. And, and if I start something big today, it may be three or four days before I can come back to it and then I'll forget what I was doing. And then that kind of feels like time wasting because I'll have to start over. So I'm like, no, 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 no. Okay, I'm going to just... I have a million games in the backlog. I'm sure you do too. I'm sure anybody who is on Steam or anybody who takes advantage of PSN sales or anything like that, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast uh, have backlogs because, man, sometimes games are just so cheap, right? Like, it's 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 tough to not have a backlog these days. So I'm like, you know what? Instead of just committing to one thing all day long, I'm just going to go through my backlog and I'm going to give every game like five or ten minutes. And if I like it, I'll keep it. If I don't like it, I will throw it in storage or I'll delete it or I'll just get rid of it and I'll just I'll just reduce my backlog and I knew that I wouldn't get through the whole backlog because it's a ridiculous backlog but I wanted to make a big a big chunk go away so that was what I did I didn't have a name for this day at the beginning but by the end of the day I was calling it my burn the backlog day and I think that sounds pretty good to me so I will I will probably do this again and this will be known as the burn the backlog event if you would like to burn your own backlog and tell me about it feel free to use that title I give that freely to all of you listeners and also to you Corey I don't I don't uh, have any trademark or anything like that pending. So please feel free, everybody, to burn your own backlog. So if it's okay with you, I will just launch into it. I got a whole bunch of games. I'll tell you a little bit about it, tell you if I liked it, if I kept it, or if I got rid of it, and then we will just move on. How's that sound? By all means, you are cleared to proceed. <laughs> all right, cleared for takeoff. Here we go. Buckle in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the first one I did was called Outcast Second Contact. Um, and Corey, if you have any comments or thoughts or anything, please feel free to just interrupt me. I'll go a little bit quick this time because not only do I have a lot of games, we're also on a time limit. So feel free to just interrupt um, because there, I may be a little bit breathless and I, I, wanna ha- I want you to have a chance <laughs> to say something if you want to say something. Um, right. Okay, so Outcast Second Contact. This is a third person open world game really reminds me very much of like a Bethesda game where kind of like a Skyrim or like a, you know, Elder Scrolls sort of thing. But like, like, apparently this was a really popular game like 10 or 15 years ago. I had never heard of it because I wasn't really on the PC scene at that time. Uh, but I mean, I, there were a few old timers who had thought very fondly of this. And I guess somebody thought it was important enough to bring back as a remake. You basically play as this guy who gets sucked into a portal ends up in like this alternate world where, um, there's just these weird alien dudes and you're kind of just exploring the land and trying to find the other members of your crew that you lost and trying to help the aliens because they're kind of friendly to you. Like they're kind of like, you know, they're like, Oh, uh, holy, holy man from the other world. We prophesied that you would come, you know, it's one of those bullshitty things. So, <laughs> you know, it's like so tropey and so old. I mean, it's just, it's dusty, dusty. Um, so I played it and it seemed kind of cool. Like it was interesting to see this same kind of Bethesda game done by somebody else. That's not Bethesda um, from back in the day. Graphics were redone and stuff like that. And at first I was kind of into it. Like it was just as a kind of artifact. Um, but the the voiceovers were truly horrific. Like they were so bad. I mean, I don't know if these were the original voices or if they re-recorded them, but it's the kind of thing where like, a, like imagine if you were sucked into a portal to another dimension and you were f- in a world where everybody was like clearly an alien, you were not on earth, this whole new situation. I really don't think you would walk up to an alien and be like, Hey bro, how's it hanging? Like, I, I don't think you would say that. Like, I don't think you would be like <laughs> kicking it with the dudes. I, I mean, you would be like, yeah, just no, it just was, it really wrecked my brain 
to have this guy being like so broy and douchey and talking to these aliens like that and just didn't make any sense. Also, the combat was like pretty broken. I, I kept dying and I was like, I just don't want to spend time like trying to learn your janky combat. So um, deleted that and moved on. Don't really recommend it. Second game I tried was called Vesta, V-E-S-T-A. It was originally on PS4 is where I got it. This is a game where you play as a small girl and she has a giant robot buddy. And you are like waking up in some kind of weird factory or something. And you're the only human around and all the AIs are like, oh, you're so important. We really need you to do something for us. Um, so can you please help us with these puzzles? And, you know, we got this problem, but don't worry about that. We're not going to tell you about the problem. Just don't stress. Just do what we tell you and, and, and help us out. So kind of an interesting, obviously there's more to that story that you, you need to unfold as you go along. Uh, but really the hook of it was like each room is a puzzle and you have to, uh, this sounds a little complicated. I promise you it's not that complicated. You have to take energy. There's only a certain amount of energy in the room. So like if you need to open a door, that door needs energy. Um, if you take the energy out of the door, it will stop opening, but you can use that energy to open something else. So like every room is basically like a series of puzzles where you need to think about where does the energy need to be because that energy will open a door or power a machine or make a platform move and in what order you need to do that. So which one goes first and how does this, you know, how are we going to get out of here? Um, the hook is that you can switch back and forth between the girl and the robot. The girl is small and she can steal energy. The robot is big and he can shoot and you work together as a team to kind of get through these puzzles. I thought it was really cool. I liked it a lot. Um, I did not think I would play it on PS4. So I picked it up on switch uh, because that seemed to me like the kind of thing that I definitely would like to play one or two levels of before bedtime. And I thought that was a win. So I liked it a lot. I picked it up on Switch. I'm going to stay on that. Deleted it from PS4, but I will continue. I may talk about it more in the future. Um, so I thought Vesta was quite good. Moving on, I tried Anamorphine, which is one that I think that you would be very interested in. This is a walking simulator, which are not usually my jam. I don't know how I ended up picking this one up. It must have been two bucks at some point. Um... And I don't even exactly know what it is, but it starts off with a trigger warning and saying that there's going to be some hardcore stuff, which is fine uh, because I'm a mature adult. And it's a story of a relationship between two people. They don't exactly tell you who they are. And you start off in like a real world setting. You're like in a room, like an apartment. And what happens is you kind of just like explore. But as you explore, things change in the environment. And I don't mean in like a puzzle or a spooky sense. I just mean... In the sense of like, they want your emotion to kind of trigger the story to be told. And so how you move through the world progresses the story. It seems very much like they want you to experience the story in a very certain way. Uh, but it's not exactly like a walking sim. Like you're not walking around looking at documents. You're not walking around examining things. It's like you're looking at the space, understanding what the environmental storytelling is telling you, taking that in. And then as you move things change. So like you turn around and then something that was not there is there and they want you to walk a certain way. Like the way that the, the game unfolded, I thought was really cool. And um, it did not strike me as other walking simulators, although you are the expert on that. Uh, seemed very interesting. I wanted to play it, but it was not the kind of thing that I would probably play with my son sitting next to me. So I put it on hold. I did keep it though. Um, and I think that I will definitely come back to that. Yeah. Um, you, just, you have to stop talking about this game because my dick can only get so hard listening to you talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> I, as I was playing this, I'm like, oh, this is a Corey jam. I think Corey might like this one. I'm going to bring this up on the show. I, I mean, if I, I think it's worth looking into. I was I was very curious. So if you jump into that, let me know. Or maybe we can coordinate and talk about the show in the future. But it seemed like something that was pretty cool. 
So I kept what, that one. Uh, remind me what platform you played it on? PS4. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, let's see. Moving on, I played Future Unfolding, and I was actually struggling to even remember what this game was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is an indie game played from a top-down perspective where uh, this totally fucking irritates me about indie games where like they don't tell you what the game is about they don't explain the mechanics and they just want you to just like experience the game as part of the game and i'm like fuck (laughs) off tell me what you want me to do to what am i supposed to do like like spending time trying to figure out what you want me to do is like the biggest fucking waste of time to me i fucking hate it i know some people like it that's great you like it fine to me it is a colossal waste of time and since I just talked about my lifetime timer ticking down, like I'm not going to spend any time trying to figure out what you want me to do. Um, it was like you're in a forest, but then you touched a thing and you teleported, but then you you came back and there was like a deer that followed you. And like at times you were riding the deer, but then you weren't. And then you walked to this other area and it was like more forest. Like I, that's, I had no fucking idea what was going on. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And then one of the loading screens came up and it's like, if you don't understand what's going on, try to experiment, live in the moment or something. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm out. I am out of here. Fuck this. <laughs> Deleted that thing hardcore. I was done with that. Uh, moved on to Thumper. Have you ever played Thumper? No, it sounds familiar, though. What is this? Yeah, this one. Got, this was an indie game that came out, I think, one or two years ago. It was a real big hit when it came out. Uh, it is also in VR as well. You play as a silver beetle, which kind of looks like the cover to like the Journey albums from the eighties. You know, Journey the band. Mm-hmm. Is that no? You don't know them? No, no, I do. Of course, I know. Who okay, okay, is. I'm just checking because I know that I'm older than you, so sometimes these these references are not going to fly. But um, if you ever <laughs> seen the cover of a Journey album, they had like a like a beetle on the cover of all their albums, and this beetle looks like that. It's in a super psychedelic environment where it looks like you're flying through the intestines of a Lovecraft monster and there's all these weird lights and tentacles super trippy and and it kind of made my tummy hurt when I was playing it because I'm like this feels wrong (laughs) and strange I just was like this is weird I don't like these feelings Um, but you basically just are like this beetle on a track and you're really quickly avoiding obstacles and dodging and jumping Uh, extremely tough like I'm not sure that I have the reflexes for this anymore but it looked really cool really trippy like I don't recommend getting high before you play this because it seemed to be like nightmare (laughs) fuel of the highest order Uh, but a lot of people really like this a lot uh, and apparently it's pretty amazing in VR like I've heard a lot of people say it is like one of the VR games to play so maybe check into Mm. that Corey Uh, but uh, it looked really weird and evil and uh, oppressive and dark but at the same time still kind of cool and interesting so i i kept it and i probably will come back to it i probably won't finish it because i'm not sure that i'm able to finish it but i like the way it looked and it was definitely something different like it looked like nothing else out there so that it had that going for it um the next one was regalia of men and monarchs this was a strategy rpg with a very like anime cartoony aesthetic to it tons of voice acting really amazing voice acting by the way excellent surprisingly good this was a kickstarter program which got funded and is now out for retail purchase and i was surprised at how high quality it felt graphics were super polished and cute really good art style like i said the voices were amazing uh really really well done uh the combat seemed quite interesting there wasn't a lot of it because i had just started and it's really hard to get through a game like this in five or ten minutes uh because they you know they set up the world and gave you the story and the backstory and all that but 
the characters seemed really good. The strategy seemed pretty solid. Uh, I was I'm kind of surprised at what, what a great game it seemed like. I mean, I don't know if it holds up all the way through, uh, but it was very impressive. If you're looking for a strategy RPG, this is definitely one to check into. I hadn't heard very much about it. I know that one of our writers reviewed it, and he really liked it a lot, which is originally how it got on my radar. Um, and I don't have time for a strategy RPG like this right now. But I thought it was pretty great stuff. I will definitely come back to it. Um, very, very surprised by this one. Brad, I have something to say real quick. Yeah. Um, while you were talking about that game, I looked up Anamorphine on Steam. And yeah. it has a VR mode. Oh, shit. It has shit. VR. Oh, shit. Mm. I guess I know what your next game is. It is on sale. What's it going for? Uh, $19.99. It's not on sale. Uh, that's a lot of money. Um, so I might wait catch... for a sale. Yeah, put it on your wish list mm. or something. Get it on sale. Because I, I was actually very, very intrigued by the way that it unfolded. I would be curious um, to discuss this one with you because it seems like to me not like the average walking sim. So bookmark that baby we'll come back to it yes it uh, on my see. wish list all right proceed proceed uh, sorry for interrupting excellent excellent no 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 that's good information uh the next one not necessarily a backlog game but i saw it and i i kind of came back to it. it's called sky force reloaded this one was recommended to me by uh good man coffee jesus over in the uk love that guy <laughs> um do you know him on twitter do you talk to him at all i no i don't know who he is how do I oh, not God. know who Coffee Jesus is? What the heck? Coffee Jesus is partners with Patty Stardust, and they're the two guys that are on the Twin Humanities podcast. Uh, they are amazing people. Like, if you listen to their podcast, they are just, like, so energetic and expressive. And they could sell ice cubes to a penguin because they, when they like something, they just, like, go all in on it. And it's just, like, bliss to listen to these guys just wax poetic about it. I, it's, it's impossible to refuse their enthusiasm. Uh, but they're great guys. Uh, love them a lot. They're also Dark Souls fans. I think that's how I originally came across them. Um, they talk about Dark Souls, Destiny, uh, Warframe. Uh, Gina and I partnered up with uh, Patty and CJ for some Warframe. That was a hoot and a half. I was just like, <laughs> it was two hours of solid entertainment. It was really, really fun. Um, so they're great guys. But Coffee Jesus recommended um, Skyforce Reloaded, which is a top-down 2D bullet hell shooter, which I don't generally go in for. But this one has a mechanic where you're constantly like leveling up and improving your ship. And that was really kind of the thing that got me because you'll start a mission, get your ass handed to you, but like you will collect enough like stars or gold or whatever it is. Um, and then when you restart the mission, you can like, oh, I'm going to buy better guns or I'm going to buy better missiles or something. And you keep them forever so that the next time you come back, you totally kick ass. And so it feels good to kind of get your revenge on those things. And then you just keep getting better and better. I mean, it's a pretty simple gameplay loop, but I haven't played a lot of bullet hell shooters where you can actually improve so quickly and so easily. And it really makes you feel like you want to keep trying again rather than feeling defeated and, you know, like frustrated. You just keep playing. And even if you don't win, like you still, you know, earn gold and you can get a little bit better. And the next time you play, you get a little further. So it's really cool. I really like the game quite a bit. I, you know, not the biggest bullet hell fan, but this is one that I really sign off on because I think that the, um, the upgrade mechanic is just brilliant. And I wish that more games like it would use the same system. So Skyforce Reloaded is amazing stuff. Uh, the next one, another walking sim. Uh, again, this must have been on sale because I don't know why else I would have bought it. Uh, it's called The Invisible Hours. Have you heard of this one? I have seen it on the PlayStation Network every once in a while, and I think I've looked at some screenshots and stuff for it, but I've never, I haven't bought it or anything, but I've, I don't really know what it's about, but I know I've seen it before. 
So this is by Tequila Works, who I really like them a lot as a developer. They have done um, a bunch of games that I can see in my mind's eye right now, but I, boy, I sure can't tell you what they're called. Uh, they did that zombie side-scrolling game that you liked. They did, they did. What is that game? Do you know what it's called? The zombie side-scroller? The... I cannot Dead, remember. Deadlight or something like that? Deadlight? They also oh did um, Sexy Brutal, which was a puzzly story-based like, Groundhog Day time loop game. Um, like everything they've done has been pretty, pretty good. Like, I think they're one of the unsung heroes lately where they're really doing some cool, innovative stuff. Um, but they're just, they're still really under the radar. Tequila works is, um, so this is another one from them. I haven't heard anybody talking about this, but we had somebody review this. In fact, two people reviewed it at game critics and I think they both gave it like a nine. They both thought it was amazing. Oh shit. So, so I picked it up. And I played it for like five, 10 minutes and I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like I want to play, I want to play this like right away. <laughs> um, so it's a walking sim, but you know, okay. So you played Tacoma, correct? You did. Yes. I played it and I loved it. Okay. So the time, the time mechanic of Tacoma where you can fast forward and rewind this game actually, I mean, okay. So like, I don't want to say they did it first, but this game came out before Tacoma did. Um, oh, so I, you shit, know, I'm not, I'm fired. not saying anybody stole anything from anybody, right? Like I'm just, you know, <laughs> this happens sometimes in development, not pointing any fingers, but this game came out first and it has the exact same time mechanic of rewind fast forward. So what happens is it's really Gothic. Like you show up on this Island, which looks like, um, I don't know, like really old timey, like 1800s or something like that, you know, like, uh, kerosene lanterns and everybody's dressed up really fancy to go to dinner and that sort of a thing. Um, and so you arrive on a boat. Somebody is dead in the house when you get there. They're already dead by the time you get there. There's a lady walking around. You, tr- you you watch what happens, but then you can rewind. And then as you rewind, you can follow other people. So you can see, well, where was this lady before this guy got killed? And you can follow her whole track or play, you know, go forward and more people show up. And then you're like, well, where were you before? What were you doing? Who are you talking to? And so you can like walk around the whole place and just rewind and, fa- and, and fast forward as much as you want to kind of like figure out like what was going down, like what is the story of this whole place? And I was like, wow, this seems really cool. Um, I really into it. Like there's no like gameplay per se. And the game even tells you that up front. They're like, this is not a game. It's not a movie. It's something else. Please engage with the system and figure out the story of this place. And I'm like, yes, I will. Yes. Thank you very (laughs) much. So I only played like five or 10 minutes, but I was, I was sold immediately. I am very curious to play more. And if the people at Game Critics are to be believed, which they certainly are, uh, everybody loves this game. Everybody said it was fantastic. So I am itching to come back to it. Corey, you going to check this one out? Um, I, I'm kind of like looking at these games on Steam as you're talking about them to see what's going on with them or how they look. And this game is on Steam. It is also in VR. So like somehow oh, you're putting a, lot, putting a lot more VR games on my list because it sounds interesting. And like knowing it's in VR and having more stuff for me to to try in VR is definitely kind of a big thing for me right now. So it's $30 though, which seems. Oh man. I know I didn't pay 30 bucks for it. I guarantee you that I'm, I know I got it on sale. There's no way I pay 30 bucks for that. So Mm. wish list, get, catch it on sale. Um, it's been on sale. I mean, I got it on PS4, so it must've been five or 10 bucks or something. I doubt I would have paid more than that for this game, probably five bucks, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I, I was immediately sold and you know that I'm not a walking sim guy, but I, I stumbled across two in the course of burn the backlog and I was very interested in both. So that speaks pretty well to both of them, I think. Uh, next game was on the switch. It's called Shio S H I O. Uh, I don't understand this game. I don't know why anybody would have made this game. Uh, you 
it's like you start off in kind of a dream and it's really weird and it's unclear. And as you play, you have a mask that you can put on for some reason, but I'm not exactly sure what was going on with that. And then all you do is you jump and there are these lanterns which are floating in the air. It's a 2D, 2D kind of a game, platforming kind of a game. So you jump up and when you hit a lantern, then you can keep going up. And so the whole game is basically jumping in the air, hitting lanterns and continuing to jump further. Of course, there are some obstacles that you need to avoid because you'll die and get sent back and blah, 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 fucking blah. Like, I'm just like, why did, why was anybody make this? Like, it's just, it seems like a really basic kind of a game dev project or game jam sort of a thing where my whole game is about jumping and hitting something in the air, which is okay. But like the aesthetic was really drab and boring. I just didn't understand. I, it just seemed like not enough to base a game on. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just jumping and that's all there really was to it. And that seems to me like really like game dev 101. So I was like, I'm out. I don't, I don't know why this is here. This is, this is bad, bad, bad. So um, <laughs> pass on that hard pass. Next one was a game called The Way, literally just The Way, playing this on Switch. It is a point-and-click, pixel-based, it's got to be European, it's got to be, because it seems so weird, and the way that it was approach, approaching <laughs> me as a player uh, would be very shocked if an American made this. Uh, and it's not Japanese, it doesn't look Japanese at all, so it's got to be European. Uh, super interesting, I'm not a big point-and-click fan, but this one begins with you digging up the corpse of your wife which is Whoa. guaranteed a good way to get my attention. I'll tell you that uh, you bring her back to your lab. So it's in the future. You put her in a portal or a, a pod of some kind, which clearly means you're not going to let her rot. Like you obviously are going to bring her back. And then the next thing you do is you go to break into a science lab and try to steal a spaceship. So I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm, I'm in, this is weird. This is crazy. What's going on? Like, and it wasn't just a point and click. I mean, there was definitely point and click stuff where you're finding documents and like, you know, putting keys in locks and stuff like that. But also you were kind of walking around and there was real time action to it too. Like you were dodging guard robots when you're trying to steal a spaceship, you were kind of walking around on ladders and like platforming a little bit. So it was kind of this strange blend of like action. It kind of reminded me of like, um, Abe's Odyssey a little bit. Did you ever play Abe's Odyssey back on the PlayStation mm. or maybe even like um, Out of This World, perhaps? Um, I'm Any familiar with Abe's Abe's Odyssey, but not the other one. Yeah, so it's it's this reminded me very much of like Out of This World or Heart of the Alien or Flashback, uh, which were pretty well-known games back uh, in the early 90s, I think. Uh, this is very much like that. Platforming, some real-time elements, some point-and-click, kind of a weird blend. Uh, but I was very intrigued by this one. I was I was definitely in. Um, it's on Switch. Worked really fine on Switch. I think I'll keep playing it there. I think it's on other platforms as well. But very uh, interesting. And people on Twitter told me that it was great stuff. So that was very positive. Two more to go and I'm done. Last one is Twin Robots. This is, again, Game Dev 101. You play as these two. One robot's white, one robot's black. You can switch between them. And all you're doing is platforming and avoiding stuff that wants to kill you. And that's it. Uh, really super not interesting. The hook was not fun. Um, it was really dumb because if you get to the end of a stage with one robot, you have to get to the end of stage with the other robot. And I'm like, why? I just did all these challenges. I got to do it twice. This is stupid. I don't like the way this game looks. The art style is crap and it just controls are not tight. And I, whatever, nothing to talk about here. Instant delete. Played that on switch. It's also on PS4. I do not recommend it. And the final one that I will talk about is called the messenger, which was on switch. This one was getting a lot of love. Uh, recently, and I just honestly don't understand it. I had people 
<laughs> approaching me on Twitter who I, I talked about this game a little bit and they were like, oh my God, are you kidding? This game is brilliant. What's wrong with you? And I'm like, what's wrong with you? This game is not brilliant. This is just like, did you ever play the original Ninja Gaiden on NES or any like all oh, those old school platformers? You ever play those? Mm, I didn't play the old ones. I, I didn't get to that until it came to Xbox. All right. So same developer, same basic concept, totally different beast. The ones on NES were crazy hard, really cheap and unfair. I really hated them, but they had a lot of fans because they were one of the first games at that time to actually have a cutscene. one of the original cutscenes, uh, And they were actually pretty cool. Uh, so that was a big novelty that people were like, oh my God, there's like actually like a little movie in this game. What's going on? So that was pretty interesting at the time. And it was 2D platforming ninja action, like really hardcore. The kind of game where like you jump across a pit and as you're in the middle of your jump, a bird flies down and knocks you into the pit. And then you just got to do it over and over and over like 10,000 times. That's basically what that game is about. Um, so The Messenger is one of those new games, which is aping an old game. It's basically exactly like Ninja Gaiden from NES, uh, except the art style is just not as good. And it's just basically the same thing over and over. And I just wasn't really into it. Didn't understand why it was getting so much love. And people were saying, no, 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 you got to keep playing. You got to keep playing. There's, there's, there's a hook. There's a surprise. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll keep playing. I think I played like four hours and I still didn't get to a hook. And I'm like, fuck off. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not putting any more time into this game. I realize everybody on earth is telling me to keep playing, but I am not going to play anymore because this is four hours of not enjoying it. And I, I just, I have a life to live. Okay. So somebody spoiled me. They're like, oh, what happens is you keep going. You unlock some stuff. The game goes from an 8-bit aesthetic to a 16-bit aesthetic, and then it becomes a Metroidvania. And I'm like, okay, but I already don't like it. So, like, I'm not going to play, like, another four hours to get to the part where it becomes a Metroidvania because I already am not really a fan of that genre in general, and I really don't like this game in particular, so I'm out. So people people on Twitter love this game. People were really, uh, you know... To, to use the vernacular, they were really standing for this game, uh, if I can even use oh, that term. Boy. I know, I feel a little dirty saying that, I'm sorry. Um, I just was not a fan. I don't, like, I don't like this new modern trend of people basically remaking old games and then calling them something new, when it's like, I've seen games that are like basically a redo of Contra. I've seen a game that a redo of Ghouls and Ghosts. I, this is a redo of Ninja Gaiden. Like, I, like make your own fucking game. Like, don't, don't... <laughs> You know, bite somebody else's jam and, like, call it your own thing. Like, I mean, just, I don't, I'm not a fan of that. So, anyway, The Messenger, I deleted it, was not a fan. Although there's a lot of people on Twitter who think I'm a crazy idiot for not liking it. And I'm not recognizing the brilliance of this game. But I super don't care. It was not fun. Did not like it. And that is the end of Burn the Backlog. I got through all those games in one day. And it was glorious. <laughs> uh, time well spent. spent. Uh, and <laughs> Time well spent. I mean, that's a, that's a whole different thing. Um, and I came across a number of games that I thought were pretty cool and interesting, and it kind of like made me reprioritize my backlist, uh, my back, God, my backlog. God damn it, fuck! I can't. Have I have I podcasted before? Have I ever done this before? Because it feels like I haven't. Anyway, that was the end of my day. Got through a lot of games, and I uh, didn't get rid of many, but I, I was. It was a quick little look at some of these was pretty interesting. So hopefully, I've uh, interested you, Corey. I think I've sold you on at least two of these, and hopefully, our listeners will uh, get something from this experience as well. Um, I want to report back that I was doing, because I was sort of like researching these games in the moment as you were talking about them, um, <clears throat> you will be probably not at all shocked to hear that the developers of The Way, they are called Puzzling Dream, and they are Polish. Ah, that makes perfect sense. 
didn't you say did you say that the polish developers at pax were the ones that like didn't give a shit and were all black or was that a different area yeah that is them they all smoke they all like look really rough <laughs> pretty nihilistic just kind of like grungy and yeah they're pretty cool dudes they were uh, those polish guys man i bet they party like motherfuckers so that makes perfect sense that i can easily see this being a polish game so thank you for that that has confirmed my euro, my euro suspicions you were uh operating it or firing on all cylinders today brad well, I don't know about all cylinders, but some cylinders anyway. <laughs> Firing on most cylinders today. <laughs> on a few cylinders, yeah. <laughs> all right, that's all I got for me, but you have a Spider-Man wrap-up, and then we're probably going to hit the end of the show after that. So I'm assuming you've probably finished Spider-Man by now, and you have 100%ed it, got the Platinum Trophy, uh, you moved into Insomniac, and you became the number one fan. Are you are you loving this game <laughs> as much as everyone else is has doing? Um, yeah, I... I'm actually, um, you're not far off on your, on all your descriptors there because I did beat the game. I did 100% the game. I am a single, a single trophy away from getting the platinum. So I'm actually like really on this game. And in order to get the thing that I like about this game's platinum trophy is that it doesn't have difficulty based things. Like you don't have to beat the game on the hardest difficulty like that. I love when trophies don't make you Which play are the stupid game on the trophies. Yeah. Those are stupid trophies. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so most of the game's trophies, I mean, a lot of them, you know, are based on completion. Like you have to com- complete all the like crimes and mini games and all the activities in every district in order to get um, one trophy, which I did the other night, um, the only trophy I'm missing is this really dumb one. You have these, like, trip mines that you can use in the game for, like, stealth missions where you, like, throw a mine down, and if an enemy walks over it, it basically, like, shoots a web out and, like, sticks them to the nearest wall. And you have to do ten... You have to do that ten times, but get enemies... I don't even know how to do this. Get enemies to, like, web together with them. Like, I've read online that if there's two enemies talking to each other, you can, like throw a mine onto the chest of one of the enemies and it'll just shoot web out and like suck them together which sounds incredible but i never like thought to use it in the game it's kind of like um whoever asked us on that q a about like game mechanics that are introduced that we never use or like immediately forget about this game is like it has so many of them because you have a bunch of different kinds of webs you can use you have like the regular web shot where if you shoot an enemy like four or five times with it they will web up for like i don't know like 10 seconds and they won't really they'll just kind of stand there and like you know wrestle with the webs there's like an electric web where you can shoot a web and it um, will electrify an enemy and stun him and if there's enemies close by it'll stun those enemies as well there's like um an impact web where if you like shoot an enemy it basically just kind of like sends them flying like 20 feet back to like get them out of your way um, there's a web bomb where you, like, throw this kind of grenade kind of thing in an enemy, and it sticks on them for a second, and then it, like, blows this web out that, like, webs up, like, five enemies that are, or, like, however many enemies are, like, in the immediate proximity, and they're all really cool gadgets to use, but I always forgot about them, and, like, the trip mines I always forgot about, so I never used them. Um, but long story short, you're not far off. I literally am that trophy away as soon as I get that one. I'll get the platinum, and then I will have platinumed this game, which kind of brings me to my, like, the thing I guess I want to say about this game is that this is one of those weird games that I like a lot more than I think I do. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. I, 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 fully, <laughs> I fully understand what you're talking about. Like, it's, it's just like, and it kind of goes back to what I said last week, where, like, it's just so playable and so fluid and, like, so fun to play that I, it's just like I play it 
And I'm like, you know, as I'm playing it, I'm thinking like, okay, like this game isn't really doing anything new. Like it's nothing I haven't really seen before in any other game. But at the same time, like if I'm playing, doing literally everything there is to offer in the game with like very little complaint about stuff that's going on in it, like I obviously must like this game a lot more than I think I do. And like, this isn't the first game that this has happened to. I feel like the first Dishonored did this to me too, where I played it. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. Like, yeah, you know, it's all right. And then I played it like two more times. And I was like, okay, like, obviously this game is doing something right if I'm playing it this much. So it's just like a weird thing where I like it a lot more than I think I do. Um, and that's like the perfect way to sum up this game. I mean, in the like pantheon of, I don't know, superhero games, I think I mentioned this last week, I feel like... Batman Arkham City is probably, like, my absolute gold standard for, like, pretty much everything you can do with, like, a great superhero game. I mean, it's open world. It's third person. The combat system in Batman is probably the best third person fluid, dynamic combat system I have ever played in a game. And that goes for all the Batman games for Arkham Knight, Arkham City, Arkham Origins, and, um... Arkham Asylum, because the combat system doesn't change much over those games, but you know what? It doesn't have to, because it's so fucking good. They don't really have to tweak it that much, because it's just perfect. Um, and, like, if that's, like, my gold standard for what a great superhero game is, or even just a great, like, third-person sort of action-adventure game, um, I feel like Spider-Man is, like, right there in second place. Like, it's just a lot of fun to play. I love traversing the city. I didn't mention this last week, but it's something I thought about. Traversing the city... Reminds me a lot of Mirror's Edge because in Mirror's Edge, whenever you're running around this open world area, and I guess I'm speaking specifically to Catalyst, which was the second game in the series, um, you know, in most open world games like in Grand Theft Auto or whatever, you know, you jump in your car, you jump on your horse in Red Dead and you just like hold R2 and drive around the streets until you get to wherever you're going. And then you press L2 to stop and triangle to get out of the car. But, like, with Mirror's Edge, because you're free-running around the city, you're constantly having to look at what to do and be really aware of what's going on with your surroundings. And it constantly... You have to, like, you know, press a button to jump and or hold it to jump higher. And then you have to hold another button to roll out if you fall down too much. And there's, like, a button where you can swing around corners of buildings and stuff. And so you really have to be, like, super dialed into what's going on just with traversal alone. And Spider-Man really gives me a lot of those same vibes because when you're swinging through the city... Um, I mean, you can hold R2 to swing. If you let go of R2, he lets go of the web. You can press X to get more height or get more speed on the jump. You can press L2 and R2 at the same time, and he'll do, like, a really quick, like, zip to an area, and you can stop there if you want, or if you press X out of that, he does this cool, like, rocket jump out where he, like, zips to an object, he hits it, you press X, and he does this cool, like, almost like a pole vault, like, maneuver out where he, like, jumps way high in the air, and then you can grab onto another building, or if you want to, you can just fluidly go from swinging to hitting a building and wall running or wall running straight up, or you can just climb on the wall like a little spider if you want to, if you need to go slower. And it's just like a great traversal system that really like keeps me engaged in the game. And it's really entertaining and it's beautiful. And it just reminds me so much of Mirror's Edge because I prefer... I mean, if you're going to spend, you know, I don't know, 60% of the game just, like, traversing across the city, like, it has to be engaging, and it has to be fun, and it has to be beautiful, and it is all of those things, just like with Mirror's Edge. It's so much better than just getting in a car and holding R2 and then, you know, turning down a few streets until you get to your destination. I really love that about it. Um, I don't want to dive into spoiler territory because I know you haven't played it. You probably will. 
And I don't want to piss off anybody that's listening to the show because it's only been out for like two weeks. But I will, the closest thing I'll say, so if you want to avoid, I'm not going to talk about like story specifics, but if you want to go in fresh at all, I would recommend, I don't know, skipping the next couple minutes on the show or whatever. Um, I just want to say that we got, we got six minutes. Yeah, just just as a heads up. Um, there's like a part in the story where like I thought everything was kind of like wrapping up because like I said last week, the pacing's a little weird where you're kind of like not exactly sure like where you are in the arc of the story. And then it kind of like seems like things are wrapping up and there's like submissions between Spider-Man and MJ where they do a lot of collaborative work. And I'm thinking like, OK, cool, like the game's finally bringing like both characters together in some of these missions to play. And then like you get to a part where you think it's maybe the end of the game or like I thought it was maybe the end of the game. And then this, like, weird, like, plot twist thing happens, and it's like, oh, never mind, here's an extra 40% of game, which is, like, Whoa. in the moment, yeah, like, in the moment, I was like, well, maybe not, maybe it was, like, 30 or, like, 25%. It wasn't, like, it didn't, like, double the length of the game, so I'm exaggerating here, but but it was just weird, because, like, I thought the story's arc was coming to a close, and then, like, this thing happens, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, here's, like, new villains, and here's a bunch of new side missions, and, like, a bunch of new things to do. And it was kind of, like, really, like, it's it almost seemed like they had, like, made DLC for the game, and then just, like, attached it to the game instead of, like, selling it later. Which, I mean, you know, it's all well and good, because the game is really good, so more of it isn't a bad thing. But it's just, like, the story pacing was strange for me, because I was, like... Oh, like, cool. The game's kind of wrapping up. It's kind of coming to an end. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, here's some more stuff to do. And it like, you know, increased the game by like 20 or 30 percent. But again, you know, I love the game. So it was, uh, you know, more than fine by me to have more stuff to do. It was just a weird like pacing thing. And there are some good like character moments throughout the game and definitely late in the game that I thought were pretty well done and well written. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I don't really have a whole lot more to say other than I beat it. I've, I've 100%ed it. I've almost platinumed it. So, I mean, I really like this game a lot. Like I've, yeah, like, yeah, it doesn't do a whole lot new. It's a lot like every other, you know, third person superhero or not superhero action game you've ever played. I still think the Arkham games are better, but this is like, right, like pretty neck and neck with the Arkham games. If you're like using that as a scale for, uh, for superhero or third person action games or whatnot. So, I mean, I like this game a lot more than I think I do. And I do really think it's great. Like, I mean, a lot of people, I'm happy for once to be on the side of, everybody like congratulating a game for how good it is and for me to actually be able to be like yeah this game is actually really good and it deserves all the praise it's getting like i i'm right there with it um because i feel like so often you and i fall on the side of like a game being like lavishly praised and then you and i being like yeah it's like fine but you know like it's not really worth all the praise people are piling onto it i actually think spider-man is deserving of all the praise i mean a few story you know, weird things aside, a little bit of repetitive gameplay aside, but I, I like it. I think it's, I don't know, two, two spider thumbs up from Corey Motley, I guess. <laughs> two, two web thumbs up. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, what you're saying is basically what I've heard every single person in the world say, where they're like, it's an open world <laughs> game that doesn't do a lot new, but Jesus Christ, I can't stop playing it. And I don't really care about trophies, <laughs> but oh, wow, I just got the platinum trophy. I guess I did every single thing in the game. Like literally everybody I've talked to has said the exact same thing where they're like, yeah, it doesn't do a whole lot new, but Jesus Christ, I can't stop playing it. <laughs> so clearly Insomniac must have done something good. And, you know, 
makes a case for the argument where you don't need to reinvent the wheel as long as the wheel that you make is like polished and immaculate. So it sounds like a win. I'm definitely interested. I don't want to pay 60 bucks for it, but it's on my Gamefly queue. Hopefully I'll get it pretty soon. And I'm sure that like we, you know, I'll play it. My son will play it. My wife will play it. We'll probably all dip in. I mean, it sounds, it sounds good. I'm not a big fan of open world right now, but this one does sound like it's got that magic. So, uh, I'm sure we will talk about it more. Maybe we'll do a spoiler after, after I play it. Um, but I'm glad that it's a win. Sounds like a win. I'm a Spider-Man fan, so I'm happy to hear this one turned out okay. Yeah, I'm excited for you to play it because I would like to do a deep dive show on it once you play through all of it. All right. Well, I will I will prioritize it. I think it's currently number one on my Gamefly queue. And if, if I see it like on, on Super Sale, I'll grab it. Although the way that it's selling right now, I don't expect it to be on sale for a while. Apparently, it made more in its first three days than the last Spider-Man film made in its entire run, if I'm remembering correctly. So... <laughs> So I don't think it'll be on sale anytime soon because it's going like hotcakes. But, uh, you know, congratulations to uh, Insomniac. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, getting back in the shoes of Peter Parker at some point. So there you go. Um, we should probably wrap it up uh, unless you got anything else you want to you bring it home for us, man. Uh, I don't have anything else. So, yeah, we can go ahead and wrap up the show. Um, Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. So, uh, hello everybody. Thank you for joining us. Um, that brings us to the end of episode 99, episode 99. The next time you listen to the show, it's going to be 100 in the triple digits, a show that Brad and I have done absolutely no preparation on anything special for. So keep that in mind. Um, but that brings us to the end of episode 99. It's been an honor and a pleasure, of course, to, uh, co-host the show for so many episodes so far. And I look forward to many more in the future. If you want to bail right now, uh, feel free. If you just came for the games talk, I don't blame you. But if you want to stick around after the ending music in a minute, uh, Brad and I talk about some just what we've been up to, banter, homeless people, Cirque du Soleil. Um, You know, we always bring up a swath of topics to our banter segment. So uh, feel free to stick around if you want to listen to that. Um, If you have any thoughts, comments, feedback, any games you're interested in us playing, any show topics, Q&A, anything, there's several ways to get a hold of us. The uh, first way is by email. You can send us an email at sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. You can also post comments for us at the Game Critics website when the show goes live there. You can also tweet at us. It's probably the best way to get a hold of us. Um, I say that every week, but it's really not the best way to get a hold of us. I just feel like it's the fastest way, maybe. Um, but you can tweet at us. Our Twitter handle for the show collectively is at sovideogames on Twitter. And last but not least, you can reach us individually on Twitter as well. Uh, Brad, would you like to give out your Twitter handle? Yep, my Twitter is the same as Instagram. It's B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. For some reason, most times whenever you say that, my audio cuts out a little bit, so I'm always, I don't want to like jump in too fast because I feel like I'm going to interrupt you. Is that weird? No, it's not weird. I totally got it done. And then I'm like, wow, he sounds really stunned. I mean, I know he's heard this before, but maybe the way that I said it today was like really authoritative and definitive. Like, did I stun you? Like, you're like, oh my God, like, that's an amazing Twitter handle. I can't even respond to that. But I'm really no, just, audio, audio uh, issues. Yeah, we always have weird audio issues, but luckily they everything's good for the show. Um, but also my Twitter and Instagram handles as well. Uh, also my first and last name, Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. Uh, Brad, do you have anything else before we sign off? No, that is it. Sorry to be so rushed on this episode, but real life is calling. Uh, we will be back next week with another standard episode. And I guess, you know, not. 
maybe we'll do something special for the big one zero zero. Probably not. I don't know. If anybody's got ideas on how we can celebrate that, I'd be open to some ideas or suggestions. If there's something that you listeners want from us f- for the hundredth, I mean, I don't know. I'm open to it. I don't. Uh, you know, whatever. We'll just go with the flow. So this is your chance. If you want something special, let us know. Indeed, we are always open to ideas for shows and show topics and everything. So if you think of anything, please let us know. Um, But until then, this brings us to the end of episode 99. Uh, Like I said before, we'll be back next week with episode 100. But until then, this is bye from Corey. And bye from Brad. We'll see you next time. business so what is up you have a homeless person living at your house like i'm I'm almost afraid to ask what the story is well okay so there's uh, i don't even know how to like begin to explain this and it's not really like a twisted tale or anything but there's so as i've said on the show about six hundred thousand times i do a lot of skateboard photography and but i actually haven't been out to the skate park to shoot since like the second week of july because i've had a lot of other stuff going on and just haven't really prioritized going out there um and one of the skateboarders there's like a few there's maybe like three skateboarders that i'm kind of like better that i know a little bit better than everybody else and that i probably shoot a little more regularly than everybody else and one of them, and I'm not going to, like, name names or, you know, like, dig up dirt on anybody. I'll just talk about this very generally. Um, I, li- I mean, nobody who I photograph listens to the show, so it doesn't matter anyway. But um, but one of the guys, like, about a m- probably, like, three weeks ago, um, I'm just, like, sitting at home. You know, like, I think Patrick's playing video games. I'm sitting on the couch, like, scrolling through Twitter or something. And, um, and I get a DM from him on Instagram. And he's like, says something like, hey, um, I'm like, I'm kind of in between places right now and I don't really have a place to stay. And I have been sleeping at the skate park for a few nights. Um, Like, do you think I can come over and stay with you tonight? Like, I really need to take a shower and I haven't been anywhere. And um, and I didn't see the message immediately because I don't remember what I was doing if I had set my phone down or something. And so probably like, I don't know, maybe like, 30 minutes later, um, I see it and, you know, I look at Patrick and I'm like, okay, this is weird, but, like, one of the skateboarders wants to come over tonight because he doesn't have a place to stay. And Patrick was like, yeah, I don't care, like, whatever. It doesn't matter. All I'm going to do is go to bed and get up and go to work tomorrow anyway, so it's fine. And I was like, okay. So I messaged the guy back and I'm like, yeah, you know, um, you can come over, but I have to get up and go to work in the morning, so we have to figure out what to do about that. And then I hear nothing back from him. And I'm like, okay, like, all right. So he must not have needed a place to stay that bad. And about a day or two later, he messages me on Instagram. And he's like, oh, sorry, I just saw your message. Um, Like, I found a place to stay. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, just let me know if, you know, you need anything. Let me know what's going on. And so, and this pattern has been happening about once a week for probably the last three weeks or so. Like, one random time, he'll message me on Instagram and just be like, hey, I don't have a place to stay. Can I come over tonight? And I'm like, every single time, I'm like, yeah, you can. But, like, by the time I answer him, he's already, like, gone off the grid because he has a phone, but he doesn't have cellular service. So he operates on Wi-Fi only, probably because he can't afford cell service. I mean, obviously. Um, And so, like, he'll be, like, in a place where he can get Wi-Fi or he'll, like, message me from somebody else's phone, like, on his Instagram from somebody else's phone 
and will like message me and i'm guessing he probably messages like more than one person at a time and probably just like defaults to whoever messages him back uh fast enough maybe um and so, uh, you know, every time I, like, get back to him, he... And, like, it doesn't take me any longer than, like, 15 minutes to get back to him, like, at any given point. But, like, that's fast enough for him to, like, already lose Wi-Fi or to, like, have given the person's phone back and then the person leaves or whatever. And so it's, like, this weird thing where, like, I want to help him, but he, like, always is either off the grid again or, like, finds another place to stay or, like, I don't know what exactly he's doing all the time. Um, and so, like, last night, it, like, finally lined up where he messaged me, and he was like, hey, can I stay with you tonight? And I was like, yeah, of course. Like, do you need me to pick you up? Like, what's going on? And he was like, yeah, I'm messaging you from somebody else's phone. Um, uh, like, uh, sorry, I'm kind of in a rush. Uh, and I was like, sure, like, give me a half an hour. I'm already on your side of town. I'll come pick you up. Um, you know, I'll be there in a few minutes. And so, finally, like, last night, after, like, three or four weeks of this going on, I was able to pick him up. And bring him over. And, like, when I say that he's homeless, I mean, he's not, like, I don't know, like, what you would typically think of a homeless person. He's not some, like, you know, grungy dude covered in dirt that smells like trash. Like, he's, like, is basically couch hopping, like, pretty regularly all the time. So he seems to, like, have access to people's houses, like, in a way. I'm not really exactly sure because I think he has, like, I mean, a big like kind of skateboarding network of people that he can probably just like crash with and i think one of his friends lives really close to the skate park just like a few blocks away so i think he stays there a lot um but it's just weird because like i'm trying to help this guy but he's like not making it very easy to help him and there's another photographer in town another skate photographer that i know um not like super well but like we've had lunch once and uh, he photographs the the kid i'm talking about a lot too and so, like, the first night he messaged me, I, like, messaged the other skate photographer, and I was like, hey, have you heard from this guy? Like, I don't know what's going on, but just heads up, like, he seems to be homeless. I don't really know what's going on. Like, I know you see him a lot. Like, do you know what's up? And so, like, every time the skateboarder messages me, I, like, message the other photographer, and I'm like, hey, have you heard from him today? Like, have you seen him? What's going on? Do you know what's up? And so, like, he and I are trying to, like, help this kid, and as much as we can, even though he makes it very difficult to because he's, like, doesn't always have access to a phone or access to Wi-Fi or whatever. Um, so last night, like, was the first night he actually, like, came over and stayed with me, and everything ended up being fine. Like, he came over and... Um, and Patrick's out of town this weekend, so it was just, like, the two of us here, and, I mean, really, it was fine, like, I made pasta, and we ate, and, um, we, like, drank a little bit, and he just, like, I don't know, charged his phone and played Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, oddly enough, like, he was talking about how Assassin's Creed is, like, one of his favorite video games, and we have two in Brotherhood for 360 here, and he, like, put Assassin's Creed Brotherhood in and played it for, like, a few hours, and I played a couple missions for him that he didn't want to do, even though I had never played Brotherhood before, um, despite owning it, which is maybe weird. Um, uh, but, yeah, so, like, that was kind of what happened last night. And then he, we got up today, and I basically just drove him back to the skate park because the skate park is kind of, like, his, like, central hub, like, where he lives. And if he can find someone to give him a ride somewhere he will, or if he can find a place to stay, he just goes, like, with them from the skate park. But it's kind of, like, I don't know, an interesting scenario. And I was trying to, like, do right by him as much as I could last night because, um, you know, I told him, I was like, well, if you, you know, if you need to take a shower, like, that's totally fine. Like, if you need to do laundry, I'd be more than happy to throw your clothes in the washer. Like, it doesn't really matter to me. And, like, oddly enough, he I didn't do his laundry, and he didn't take a shower, which is weird, because I would think if you, like, 
don't have a consistent place to stay all the time, maybe showering would be like a pretty high priority, but also like, Hey, it's his life. I don't, you know, want to judge him or anything about that. And, and like the last thing I guess is I keep like wanting to kind of like dig down with him and ask him a lot of questions about like, well, like, tell me about like the people you're staying with. Like, tell me about where you were. Cause I know he was living in a house before with some of his skateboarder friends, uh, some of whom I know, but at the same time, I kind of just like want to let him live his life and not really like pry too much and be like, oh, tell me every detail of your life. So that way, I don't know, I can like try to piece together what the fuck's going on with you. Because really, it's like kind of none of my business in a way, even though he is like taking up space in my house sometimes. And, you know, I'm like driving him back and forth. But I feel like if he's ready to talk about that stuff, he'll get there eventually. And And he's like a really like nice enough guy. He's not like, you know, like a weirdo or like, you know, like a skateboarder thug or anything. Like he's just like a good enough guy. And he is just kind of like, I don't know, maybe between a rock and a hard place right now. And like, I'm trying to help him, but sometimes he doesn't make it easy. But last night I got for the first time to actually like have him over and try to, you know, help him out and everything. And I don't know, we'll see, we'll see what happens from here, whether he messages me again today or tomorrow or the next day and wants to stay over again. I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but uh, we'll see. Well, a couple of questions, I guess. Um, I was going to ask you, like, what his deal was, like, like, but you know, you already kind of covered that. So, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's probably not really prying, but just to be like, hey, like, you know, do you need some resources, or do I, can I point you in the right direction of something, or is there? I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, he'll probably ask you if he needs, but you know, sometimes people don't, you know, and maybe sometimes. You just got to just, you know, not like, hey, tell me your life story and what's going on and how you're homeless, <laughs> but just, you know, like, hey, is there, you know, is there something I can help out with or can I point you towards some online something or, you know, I don't know, like something. Sometimes people need just like a little bit of a nudge. I was going to ask if maybe you knew like what his deal was, like maybe he just like has a real bad home situation or maybe his parents kicked him out or maybe he has no parents or who knows what. But, you know, I guess you don't have the answer now. And you know, I, I respect that, too. I mean, you don't want to be like all up in someone's business or something, but maybe just like a little, a little, a little something to let him know that you're around, you know, in case he needs, like, like you're a safe person to ask, you know what I mean? Kind of a little thing like that, but sounds like you're on the case though. The other question, um, the more pressing question <laughs> is what's up with this other rival skate photographer? Are you guys like enemies? <laughs> Are you frenemies? Like, do you go up to a skate park? And you're like, Oh, that bitch is here again. God damn it. <laughs> Like, uh, what is that about? Oh you guys, God. like, on opposite sides of the city? Like, whenever he shows up, you don't show up, and when you're there, then he bails? Like, ooh, I want to hear this. Sounds like drama, dude. Oh, my gosh. Well, the funny thing about this is, so, like, like in so far, because I've been photographing uh, skateboarding for, I mean, pretty consistently for about a year or so, maybe a little more than a year in New Orleans. And, I mean, I'm not, like, I know, you know, a, a handful of the skateboarders by name, and, like, I've shot a few of them in the studio and everything, and, like, I've hung out, like, I played, I had one of the guys over, I probably talked about this before, and he, um, I had him over and, like, you know, we hung out and we drank and I shot him in the studio. We played Halo, like the uh, Halo, what is it, the Master Chief Edition or whatever, like um, co-op on the Xbox One a while back. So that was like a really fun night. Um, but like, I don't, I, I'm not like super in the scene, like of skateboarding. I just kind of show up and I shoot and I leave. And, you know, some of the people I know pretty well and, but I'm not like super duper friends with them. Cause like when it comes to the parkour guys, like the parkour guys, I'm like actually legitimately friends with, but the skateboarders, like I would, I would rarely, 
you know, try to like text one and be like, oh, do you want to do something or do you want to hang out? Like usually it's all business for lack of a better word. Um, And since I've been here, there have only been about three other consistent photographers that have shown up in the area. And at first, um, like it's hard to know if the person's just going to show up to the skate park once and shoot photos and then I'll never see them again because sometimes that happens. Like there was a guy from like California in town once and like we met up or I saw him at the skate park shooting. And so we just like talked about, um, you know, talked about skateboarding and photography and kind of like the scene in New Orleans for a little while. And we followed each other on Instagram, but I've literally never seen him again after that day. Um, but there's a couple other guys in town. Um, one is named Zach and Zach is like a legitimate, like freelance photographer. Like that's what he does pretty much all the time. Like he does photography for like local newspapers and websites and for like, uh, music gigs and stuff like that. So he's like, He's, like, legit, um, and he, like, just got a pass, I think a season pass for the NFL to shoot the Saints football team here all season, so that was, like, a really big break for him that he was really excited about, um, and so he's, like, I've had dinner with him once, and he he's a really good guy, and I've seen him out at different events, and I see him out at the skate park every once in a while, but the other photographer that I'm talking about, oddly enough is also named Corey, and oddly enough, it's spelled the same way as my name is spelled because sometimes the E is left out. Um, He and I are both C-O-R-E-Ys. And I remember seeing, I think it was... Oh my um, God, please tell me a dimensional rift and like other Corey from Earth B came through and you guys are like competing for the same space. It was not that. Um, Damn it. Because that would be very exciting. (laughs) That reminds me of a movie called Another Earth, which is fantastic a little bit. If you or anybody hasn't seen it, I would recommend it. But that's beside the point. Um, But the funny thing was I had made jokes about on Twitter about realizing that this guy existed and that I was going to have to like battle him to the death over, you know, who was going to be claimed like the Corey uh, skate photographer in town. But of course, um, you know, I talk a big talk, but whenever it came to walking the walk, I invited him to lunch and we went and got and got lunch together at one point, like a couple months ago. So uh, but he's like a middle school teacher in town, but he lives pretty far west, like probably like a half an hour west of where I live. And I live about 15 minutes west of the skate park. So if he wants to go to the skate park, he has to drive like 45 minutes to get there, which is kind of bananas. Um, But I would love to say that we discovered each other and then we fought to the death or it was some kind of interdimensional rift. But um, to be completely honest, he's just like a cool dude named Corey who also is a photographer. And he does a lot of BMX photos because he's like linked up with there's like a BMX store in town um, and like all the skateboarders that are part of that BMX team. Like he does a lot of event shooting for them and stuff. And and he's like I think he's about my age and he's like a middle school teacher he has a wife and they have a kid on the way and i haven't met her wife or anything and i've actually only met him one time despite uh um like messaging him on instagram all the time so sorry to report there's no like crazy story behind it but he, he's a nice guy he also does a lot of photography he does really good photography so i do feel threatened by him and by every other photographer i know for my entire life because every photographer i know is like better than me so um so there's that, but yeah, no, no fights, no blood, no bashing cameras over each other's heads. He's just a good guy, and so am I, and we support each other in our photography endeavors. This whole thing, I find this whole thing extremely disappointing, because <laughs> you're just, like, being so mature and so friendly and respectful of other people, and this is fucked up. I want, I want you to show up to, the, like, the park and be like, ugh, 
she's here and just be all <laughs> fucking mad that somebody else is there or there's competition or there's like someone broke into your studio and like ruined all your pictures oh, and God. then you got to find out who did it and shit. Like well, we got we got to get some excitement up in this thing. There's okay, so I have a tiny tiny bit. This isn't really drama, but there was before I knew of these two photographers I'm talking about. About a year ago, there was a photographer that showed up at the skate park super consistently with me. I mean, we didn't get go there together, but um I would see him out there a lot and we would always talk and chat and he was like a really kind of chill guy. Kind of seemed like, you know, your average skateboarder type dude who like smokes a lot of weed and is really laid back and really cool and he and I actually went out and got, like, I met him downtown one night um, just to hang out to kind of have, like, I don't know, a hangout, like, let's learn a little bit about each other sesh and kind of discovered a lot of things about him. And then, like, we went and got coffee, like, a couple weeks later. And he was, like, really pressing me to do, like, a skateboard photo book with him, which I kind of, like, I was, like, kind of interested in. But, like, the amount that he was sort of, like, oddly pressuring me to do it was making me uncomfortable so I kind of like decided to kind of just like stop talking to him for a little while and then like he like honest to god just like disappeared off the face of the earth and I like kind of think he might have died and like I'm not even joking about this like I think he like legitimately might have died and like because he was one of those guys too who like always had like a burner phone and like every time I saw him he was like living with different people like he was living with this one like girl and her boyfriend for a while and then like the next time I went downtown to see him he was living with these other people downtown you know in this other like part of the area and so he was like constantly kind of like between places and didn't seem to like like didn't have a car and didn't really like super duper have his life together you know which is all well and good like you know you don't have to have a car to be like a successful person or whatever but I just like always saw him out at the skate park and didn't know a lot about him and then all of a sudden like it was probably about a year ago or he or maybe like six months ago he just like literally like disappeared like because he was running his Instagram and he was posting pictures on Instagram all the time and he liked all of my pictures on Instagram and and stuff like that and would always comment on them and then just totally gone no trace of him even some of the skateboarders at the park will ask me about him every once in a while and be like hey like do you know what happened to that guy and I'm like you know honestly I think he might have died I don't know like I'm not sure what happened um but he just like it's this weird missing persons thing where he just like disappeared off the face of the earth and there's like a piece of me that wants to I don't know like go to the police and be like oh do you guys know what happened to this guy or like can I report like a missing person or something but I have like no info about him like I don't remember where he lived I don't know like I don't know like I mean I know his first and last name I don't have his phone number like I don't know so there's not really a whole lot I can do but that's kind of the most dramatic skate photography related thing that's happened since I moved here that is kind of weird to me. Interesting, interesting. So he was your first competition. You got rid of him, threw the body out in an alligator bog, <laughs> and now you're planning your next move. I like it. I like it. This is the good turn of events. This is exciting stuff. Yes, he was good, too good, 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 good. good. He was the one that I killed. The other guys, instead of killing them, I just invited them to lunch. And I did poison their beverages, but it did not work, so that's too bad. God, it's too bad about the dimensional rift thing because I totally had this like scenario in my head where like there's just like you know this, this tear in space time and then like this glow and like other Corey comes out and he looks just like you and like you're standing there and you see him appear and then you're like you know that thing where like you're looking at the other person and they're looking at you and then you think it's a reflection and so you move your hand and the other person moves their hand at the same time <laughs> that would be fucking classic dude we got to see if we can hook that up somehow and get that going because that would oh be really God. exciting speaking of photography though oddly enough I actually have a photography story myself 
although I am not a photographer. So you know that I did um, The Hunchback of Notre Dame uh, recently, and that was a big uh, theater production here in Seattle. I worked with super talented actor uh, Joshua Castile, right? Remember all that stuff? Of course I do. So uh, Joshua flew back into town for exactly like like 22 hours, um, and he had a photo shoot to do some uh, advertisement for the thing he's doing next year. He's going to be coming back into Seattle, and I'll be working with him again next year, so I'm really, really excited about that. He is a lovely guy. I love that guy so much. Uh, but he is going to be Romeo in Romeo and Juliet. Did I talk about this or not yet? You haven't talked about it, but I saw you post about it on Twitter, Instagram, or both or somewhere. I saw it, but we haven't talked about it on the show yet. Yeah, it was under NDA for a while, and so I didn't say anything because the theater wanted to keep it all under wraps until they were ready to do their big PR push. But now they're 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 getting advertisement out there. They are uh, advertising for the new season. He's coming on. I think he'll be here in February and March, and so I'll be pretty busy during that point. Uh, we may have some erratic shows because I'll be doing a lot of rehearsal and stuff at that time. But uh, but so if you saw those pictures on Instagram, um, they have a picture of Josh and his co-star uh, who plays Juliet, and they are. It's kind of a modern updating where Romeo and Juliet are going to be. It's going to be in the round, which means for people who don't know in the theater, like instead of being up on a stage at the front, it's going to be people seated all around the entire stage. So everything has to be kind of freestanding and has to be able to be seen from all sides. And so it's going to be this like modern retelling with like chain link fence and them kind of wearing like modern clothes. And there's going to be like a little, you know, like a, a revision of the play, like kind of a, a new vibrant sort of a thing. So we did photo shoots for that. He flew in for the day. And I, I went to go do photo shoots um, to interpret for, for that. Because uh, Josh is deaf, in case anybody doesn't know. And I, I do sign language. And so that's that's the hook here, in case people have not caught that earlier. <laughs> I don't talk about it a lot, but I may talk about it a little bit. Uh, today, I will be talking about it a lot. And so uh, that was really exciting because that particular picture that you saw, and if you go back and look at that on Instagram, you cannot tell. But I'm, I'm actually laying on the floor on my back right in front of those two guys as we're doing those photo shoots, because the way that we were shooting, like I had to be like in the like close enough to be where he could see me without moving his head. But I couldn't be in the picture. And so we were shooting from all angles and I was literally like laying on my back on the floor. So if you look at that picture, look down, you cannot see it. But just imagine me laying on the floor with like, you know, just like laying there like I'm asleep or something. So <laughs> those were fun photo shoots. A lot of really cool pictures, and I'm very, very excited about doing uh, the show with him next year. So very, very stoked. Otherwise, the other bit of sign language-related stuff that I wanted to bring up with, uh, bring up was um, The Dragon Prince. Have you heard of this show, Corey? It's kind of making the rounds on Twitter. It's a episodic cartoon adventure show on Netflix. Pretty new. Have you uh, heard about this? I have not heard about this. It's kind of uh, getting some fans right now. It's done by this. I think it's done by some people who did um, The Last Airbender, that cartoon. Did you ever watch that? Mm, I've definitely heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Avatar, The Last Airbender, I think the actual title was. I have not seen it either. I tried to watch it with my kids, and they weren't into it at that time. Uh, but I may go back and give it another try. Anyway, that was a very popular cartoon. And this one is about uh, two princes and an elf who are trying to take a stolen dragon egg back to the dragon that it belongs to. And they have misadventures and there's intrigue in the court and, you know, swords and stuff and all that stuff. But the reason I bring it up is because I think it was like episode five or six. We just watched it last night for the first time. Uh, a very important character, like basically like the second in command for the kingdom shows up 
and it was a lady and she was totally deaf. And I was like, I, I, it totally threw me for a loop because like she shows up and she starts doing sign language. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And uh, she has an interpreter who rides with her and he's like in armor and stuff. So I guess it's like her battle interpreter. <laughs> and like, I was like, holy shit, like what the fuck is going on? This is like breaking my brain right now because she like is doing sign language to everybody. And the guy, the interpreter is with her. He's like speaking for her the entire time. And like, that's, that's full on exactly what's happening. Like, it was so crazy to see uh, this like really prominent character, very central, very powerful and very cool. Um, just be like, you know, a deaf person who was not like disabled. It wasn't sidelined and they were in the middle of everything and they were, you know, played an important role. And, and, and they also included the interpreter, which I thought was great. And the one thing that was kind of weird about it was they didn't show the the interpreter signing very much. And so like for most of the show, like if you weren't paying attention, it looked like people were talking to her and she was just like understanding them, whether it be <laughs> whether she was just like a pro at lip reading or whether she could actually hear but couldn't speak. So maybe she was actually mute. And I wasn't sure exactly what was going on, but there were a couple of like really brief flashes where it shows the interpreter kind of signing to her like off to the side. So she's kind of catching up. So she actually was deaf, which is cool. Um, but I, I kind of wish they had played up the interpreter a little bit more because it really does look like she's lip reading a lot. And for people that don't know, like lip reading is like it is not at all like what you think it is on TV. Like it's even the best lip readers can only catch maybe about 25 or 30 percent of what somebody is saying. And that's only if they know that person really well and if it's in a good situation and they have context. So like if you just randomly come up to a person and be like, can you lip read me? Like the answer is no, like they can't because it's really, really <laughs> difficult. Um, but like on TV, they make it look so easy. And like, there's always like some detective looking through a window and who's like lip reading some criminal across the way bullshit or they're, you know, like it just, it's not like that in real life. And so I thought it was kind of unfortunate that it kind of made it look like that in the show. Uh, but they, you know, I guess they just didn't want to, they didn't want to have the interpreter take away from the character, which I get, but at the same time, it would have been cool to show what the actual process was. But the other cool part of this was they did such a good job with the animation and with actually being faithful to the material that I could actually understand what she was saying even without the guy signing or speaking for her. And so there's a few scenes where she's signing to herself or to somebody else and there's no voiceover and there's no uh, there's no um, subtitles. And so my son's like, what's she saying? And I'm like, oh yeah, she's saying this and this and this and this and this. Like I could totally follow along and understand it, which was, I mean, to me it was amazing. I can't, I can't think of any other time in a cartoon ever where somebody was doing sign language and it was actually comprehensible as actual sign language. So I thought that was pretty cool. Pretty cool choice of those uh, people making the show. She was a cool character. She definitely kicked a lot of ass. She was a very strong character, <laughs> not somebody to be messed with. Um, and it was neat that she had this little interpreter kind of tagging along with her. I was like, Oh my God, that's so funny. Like, Oh, that's so neat. But anyway, pretty cool. So if you were interested in something like that, check it out. It's uh, the dragon prince. I think that was episode four or five, but uh, yeah, very, very cool. Very neat. I was uh, pretty thrilled by that. That reminds me of, um, and I know I've mentioned this very briefly on the show before, but there's a video game coming out called The Occupation. I think it's coming out in like a month or two. Um, and it's by the company that did, um, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it's one of my favorite walking sims. It was on PlayStation Plus a while back. Um, and there's apparently there's a section in the occupation where there's there's like someone who does sign language in the game and if you understand sign language and you can like 
not communicate with the person, but you can understand what they're like signing to, to you or to whoever is in the room with them, then it's like kind of like a free pass on getting through the puzzle because they must give some kind of like password or something with the sign language. But if you don't understand sign language, then you have to like figure out a way around the puzzle and like how to, I don't know, I guess like solve the situation in a different way. And I hope that I read that about the game probably like six months ago. So hopefully that's still accurate and will be in the game whenever it comes out. But I like, I think that's a really clever idea for a video game to have. And I hope that the way they motion capture, um, and the, coming from the animated show too, like it seems like the way that they did the sign language is correct in there. Um, I, but I hope for the game too, that they are able to like capture the motion capture for the sign language accurately enough. So that way, like someone like you um, could play it and see whatever they're saying and then be able to know what to do next rather than have to go around and figure out a different way to solve it. That would be pretty cool. I have not heard of that, but I will definitely check that out. Um, the only other really notable example of sign language is probably in Tacoma, which uh, they had oh, a little yeah. bit of sign language in that. I remember being kind of surprised that when the main character shows up, she is like entering computer commands via sign language. And so, I mean, it wasn't very much. It was like a little bit, but I remember being shocked that it was actually accurate and it was correct. I could understand it, which was pretty, pretty interesting. But kind of related... Um, I was talking to somebody, I was talking to a guy who is deaf, and he is a big Fortnite fan, loves Fortnite. It's like the only game he plays. <laughs> and he was telling me that one of the reasons that he likes it the most is because it is the most accessible of all the, uh, you know, big online free-to-play things right now. I mean, apparently Overwatch just got some really cool um, colorblind features. I just saw a stream where a guy who was really severely colorblind was testing out the new features and he like basically broke down in joy because he could see the screen and he could see the life bars and he could see all the stuff that he couldn't see before. So that was awesome. And, and kudos to overwatch for doing that. Why the fuck didn't you do it two years ago? <laughs> um, but good on them for doing that. Uh, but no, he was saying that that Fortnite is the best and I was trying to figure out why. And he was like, Oh, well it's cool because I mean, I don't think they've solved the whole, voice chat thing but at the same time you don't really need voice chat because you have not played um fortnite very much have you or at all um i forgot to talk about this on the show but whenever i first got the switch i downloaded it and played it for like two rounds and then deleted it <laughs> oh, okay that makes sense that makes sense uh, but you can easily play fortnite without sound i mean it's it helps you definitely have an advantage but you don't need it i always um mute everybody when i start playing and it's really rare that i will talk to anybody in fortnite um but so it's not too bad to play on your own. You don't necessarily need sound. But one of the things that he was saying was like when you're in the field. So Fortnite, I mean, I'm, I'm sure everybody knows this, but just in case anybody doesn't know, the world's biggest, you know, battle royale game where 100 people get dropped into an island and you want to be the last man standing um, Hunger Games style. But he was saying that uh, hearing players had an edge because sound plays a big portion in that game because you can always hear when someone is like mining for materials or you can hear when someone is shooting and you can, it's directional. So like if you hear a couple shots fired, you're like, oh, there's somebody over that ridge or, oh, there's somebody over here. So like you, you kind of know where people are at. And he's like, that fucking sucks because if you can't hear that, then like you don't know when anybody's around you. And it is genuinely a big advantage. So apparently um, Epic has put in a new mode. I haven't tested this, but he was saying that there's a new thing where you can have either the sounds, the directional sound, or you can turn on a visual indicator, which will tell you from what direction someone is shooting. And like, it gives you like a little like on screen kind of thing, but not both. And I was like, well, that's weird. Why? And he's like, well, that would be too much of an advantage because if someone was hearing the shot, plus they had the directional, they would have like even one more way to know where that 
that other enemy would be. So like it's either or. Like if you want to depend on your ears, fine. But if you're deaf and you can only have one thing, well then you can only have one thing too. So like everybody who's playing only has one indicator. It's either audio or visual, but not both. So that that way everybody's kind of basically only relying on one medium for that information. So I thought that sounded really cool. I was going to check that out um, a little bit later today. Haven't had a chance, but that sounds really interesting and a really creative way to solve that problem. So he seemed really thrilled with it. He really likes that game the best because it's so easy to get into for a deaf player. So I thought that was a pretty, pretty cool bit of design. And apparently that was in response to deaf people who were posting on Reddit and complaining about the lack of accessibility in Fortnite. Mm. So uh, from what they say, they've really Epic has really come around on that and really become the leader um, as far as that type of game goes. So. Yeah, that's really cool. But it's also it's also kind of I mean, it's important because considering Fortnite is like the like biggest game ever in the world right now and you know has the most players or is the most talked about and all that stuff. Like I mean, it, it, there comes a certain point where like you have to be more accessible. I mean, obviously in a perfect world every game ever would have like you know, a, a lot of uh, accessibility options for players who are impaired in different ways. Um, but we all know that that's just not the way things go, unfortunately. But it's, uh, but I mean, for Epic to want Fortnite to reach as many players as possible, which is obviously, I mean, I'm guessing their biggest goal, so that way they can have uh, more people playing. There's like has to be a point where they have to do that in order to get more people in, whether it be you know visual cues or audio cues or stuff like that or colorblind modes and whatnot. Um, and I wonder, you know, part of me wonders if Fortnite had never gotten as big as it did if that stuff would have never come along because it's, I don't know, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Like, it's awesome that they did it, but would they have ever done it if the game hadn't been more popular? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, that is a really good question. I would like to I would like to think that they would have done it anyway, and um, I guess we're just going to assume that for the sake of argument, but I think that <laughs> in reality, uh, yeah, probably not. I mean, I think that if they hadn't had the complaints that they did, if they weren't as visible as they are, if, I mean, and they're making billions of dollars, like hand over fist, dude, like money pouring in from the heavens, dr like literally drowning developers, <laughs> dead developers, dead by money intake. So it's like, they got no fucking excuse. Like anybody saying, Hey, you guys need to get on top of this. They, they cannot say we don't have the resources. They're the biggest game on earth right now. They're making more money than like any other entertainment thing on earth. So it's like they could afford it. So, they didn't have a whole lot of room to say no, but at the same time, I would have, I would hope that they would have done it anyway, but I don't think they would have. So who knows? I don't know, but I'm going to just say thank you to Epic for doing that. And I'm going to say thank you to uh, all the other developers out there who are also adding accessibility. I've heard that um, Insomniac has done some really good stuff with Spider-Man. I've heard it's not perfect, but I've heard they've done quite a bit to make that game uh, more accessible. I don't know if you've dipped into that. We can maybe talk about it on the show, but uh, people that... I, I follow I follow quite a, a number of uh, game players who have you know one disability or another. Most people really took note and said that some good stuff was happening there. It's not like the most accessible game ever, or it doesn't like set a new standard because I know that some people were kind of tooting that horn. But uh, I think there's room to grow. But it's it does sound like they really did quite a bit to make things accessible. So that's awesome. I'm really happy to see so many. Um, studios and admittedly it's, it seems to be the larger ones who can spare the cash so that's another issue entirely but i'm glad to see more and more games um being inclusive because games are awesome and i think more people should be able to enjoy games i mean like <laughs> life sucks in general so like if you find joy somewhere you should be able to have that and it, it sucks to like not be able to participate in something like that so 
kudos to those um, developers who are taking those steps. Um, I have a couple more things here, just real briefly, unless you want to jump back in with some. You got some more banter there on your plate? Uh, no, we can go. What else do you have? Uh, real quickly, I wrote notes to myself, but I don't know what <laughs> that means. I wrote a note and it wasn't enough information to report, so we're going to skip that part. Uh, quick shout out to uh, the guys at Bonfireside Chat, uh, Cole Ross and Gary Butterfield. I'm a big fan of their podcasts. I listen to them probably more than anybody else. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to be on one of their shows. That was really a great thrill for me. Uh, a while ago, they were they're doing um, Bonfireside Chat, their Dark Souls podcast. Um, they talked about a book called Uzumaki. Have we ever talked about that on the show here? I don't think so. It's written by a Japanese horror writer. It, it's also like a visual novel, uh, graphic novel, but I guess he apparently also writes books, but he does a lot of comics and stuff too, called uh, Junji Ito. And he does a lot of like horror and body horror and weird stuff. And this book, Uzumaki, was recommended by those guys, Gary and Cole. And I picked it up on their recommendation. And it was really cool. It was very, very good. I'm glad that I picked it up. Basically, it's a story about a town on a Japanese coast, which is kind of corrupted by this like kind of weird, eldritch, otherly spirit energy that kind of manifests itself in spirals. And so like like every every little story in the book it's like i don't know 15 20 short stories that all kind of link together everybody finds like a different kind of a spiral so like in one someone's hair is like making the shape of a spiral in one this guy's making like a clay pot and he makes it into the shape of a spiral there's clouds that are spiral shape or there's like the snail shell that has a spiral on it or you know whatever like there's like there's like a bunch of like all these different ways that spirals can occur in nature and in in the world and they all end up being corrupted with this like really sick gross evil energy so the whole story is about the town like slowly descending into like this like really kind of like lovecraftian chaos um and it was just really cool like every story was neat i liked the thread running through them uh a lot of cool concepts and a lot of really gross shit happening in that book so it was definitely a horror book uh but yeah very very good i really enjoyed it i'm definitely going to be checking out more of uh, junji ito's stuff i like that a lot so uh, apparently this person is very well known in uh, those circles and i'm gonna yeah, and Do he was. Um, I sorry to interrupt, but I no, no, no. I recognize uh, his name because he. Now that you guys started talking about it, um, he was an artist who was working with Kojima and Del Toro on Silent Hills before it got canceled, and that was something that everybody was like really pumped about for him bringing that like really strange brand of like visual horror that he does into the Silent Hill universe, and then the game got canceled. I did not know that. I did not know that. Yeah, huh. he was he was allegedly like working. I don't know if he worked on PT, um, but he was like collaborating with uh, Del Toro and with Kojima for Silent Hills before everything went tits up and got canceled. Oh wow, that would have been really interesting because I was very impressed with his work in this book, and I mean, so impressed that I'm going to track down his other work, which I don't always do for people that I read. So, ah, oh, that's too bad. That would have been. I mean, you know, too bad it's canceled in general, but like, wow. I mean, that would have been really something to check out. So hmm. I'll have to. Uh, research that and if i uh, come across any more of his books or something i will talk about those in the show just one last little thing to mention i uh recently took the family out to cirque du soleil volta have you ever been to a cirque show i haven't but i follow have never met but i follow several parkour athletes on instagram who have been in volta before so i'm like aware of the sh <clears throat> excuse me I'm, I'm like aware of the show and i follow some people who've been in it but i've never seen it or any other 
I've seen like a Netflix on like Cirque du Soleil show, but I've never like seen one in real life. Oh, okay. We, me and uh, the wife have been to a couple. We went to see a few before we had kids. And we still really like them, though. I, I definitely recommend it if one comes to your town or your neck of the woods or something. Um, they're all, I mean, they're all kind of basically the same. I mean, it's like circus type stuff, but there's like music, like live music, real kind of like, you know, artistic kind of abstract stories being told and really brilliant costumes and lots of cool stunts and acts and stuff. I mean, it's, it's just a really good time. I really, I've, I've been to many and I've enjoyed every single one. I think they're really good, but we went to go see Volta, which was the most recent one. And it kind of tells this vague story about, um, this guy who does not really fit into the society where he's at. Like everybody's really gray and like their phone is glued to their hand and they're all kind of just like trudging through life. And he wants to be kind of different and he sticks out because uh, he looks different, but also because he has like different hopes and dreams. Um, so that was the basic thread, but they had a lot of really cool stuff. They had some BMX riders that were doing these like really cool um, ramps that were on stage. Uh, they had this amazing, this fucking amazing trampoline aspect where like there was like a, it looked like a little building that had like multiple windows in it and there was trampolines on both sides and it spun around. And so like, there was like maybe like eight people who were like all bouncing on the trampoline and like bouncing up and over the building to the other side and then through the windows of the building and back and forth. I mean, it, like, it's hard to describe. I, I posted a brief video of it on my Instagram. If anybody follows me on Instagram, I didn't catch the, like the most exciting parts, but I caught a good chunk of it and it was kind of gives you an idea of what was happening. Uh, but man, that trampoline part just blew my mind, like the coordination and like how controlled those people must have been. Because if I get on a trampoline and I don't rock it off the side and break a leg, I call that like a win. <laughs> and to see people like going up and spinning and being able to like judge their jump so that they can go in and out of these really small windows and not hit and crash. I mean, it was like it was mind boggling. Um, but the music was great. The visuals were great. Um, and the, the really interesting part was I did not realize, speaking of theater in the round that we just mentioned a minute ago, this was another um, theater around performance. Uh, and so when I bought the tickets, I didn't know that. And I kind of just was like, well, I've got X dollars and this is how much I can spend and it's not going to be the best tickets, but I'll hope for the best. Um, I don't know what lucky star I was under when I bought these tickets, but like, I kind of just like, you know, just, just took a stab at it and went with it. We had the most amazing fucking seats. I was so thrilled <laughs> when we got there. I thought we were going to be like off to the side and maybe up in the middle. We were like 10 feet from stage and we were like exactly where all the performers were. We got like the best seats in the house. I was like, oh my God, I totally feel like some like, you know, swank ass rich person who dropped a thousand dollars on tickets, except for I didn't spend that much because these tickets and these seats are amazing. It was so good. <laughs> I've never had seats that good before. So I got really, really lucky. I don't know how that happened. Uh, but that was a uh, true blessing. I was so excited. So anyway, Volta, really good show. Definitely recommend it. Cirque du Soleil, really recommend that as well. And interestingly, you when we got there, they made a big point of saying, please don't use flash photography, but take pictures, take video. And if you want to share it, use this hashtag. So it was one of the first performance shows like that that I've been to where they actually actively wanted you to share it on social media, which is cool because people are going to be doing that anyway. It's free publicity and... You know, like it's you, you commemorate your visit. You get to see what's going on. Share that with your friends. I mean, it, it's really smart to me rather than taking the whole no photography allowed. They're like, yes, please take photos. Just don't blind our people on trapeze and don't like, make them fall and die. <laughs> but uh, very cool. Very cool of them to do that. I really like that a lot. And uh, it was a good time. So I definitely recommend it. 
Yeah, I went to a museum in Scottsdale whenever I was there um, in June, and they had one of those like mirrored like infinity room things where you're like standing in the room and there's mirrors everywhere, and it it like projects like um, like patterns on the walls and stuff, and kind of looks like you're standing in like an infinity space. And on the way in, they had a sign outside that was like. Yes, take all the pictures you want. Use this hashtag. Tag us. Blah blah blah. And I was like, well, yeah. Like, first of all, people are going to be doing that anyway. And like, it's a pretty like, f- I don't know, like easy way for them to get publicity because obviously people are going to be posting that stuff. Uh, so I mean, I guess it would probably help to draw more people in. So it sounds like Volta is doing the same thing. And I do like. I mean, part of me thinks it's kind of skeezy because it's like they're like really encouraging you to like kind of like do a little bit of marketing for them. But at the same time, like it's, I would much rather have that than have them be like, no, turn off your phone. You can't take any pictures at all. You know, leave your phone at the door. So I'm happy, especially because I am a photographer to see stuff like that more. Yeah. And it just really reflects like the way that our society has changed and stuff, you know, like it's not like people are taking photos with their fucking iPhone and then going to go home and print that out and then sell that thing as a piece of art. Like that, that does not happen. Like, it's like our world is different. Technology is different. The way we communicate is different. I mean, it just makes sense. It just makes sense to go with the flow rather than trying to fight what everybody is doing rather than what the culture is doing. Like just admit that life is a little bit different. People are still going to come to your fucking museum and, you know, just, just ride the wave instead of trying to like swim against it. So I'm glad to see that that was the thing that happened and hopefully more people will do that. So, all right. I'm all out of banter. You got anything else left? I don't have anything left. All right, dude. Uh, we, we, people listening to the show have already heard this, but we are in the time loop. So we do have a hard stop time today. So we should probably get to it. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's do it. 